Hi everybody, uh, I'm here with Tony and Suma and Kaz and we're going to be having a discussion in the light of the murder of George Floyd and the States and uh, all of the protests and marches that have been going on across the world. And what we want to do is we want to hear from them about their own experience of uh, racial injustice and inequality and we're going to hear from each of them. Uh, but first, uh, we're going to let them introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Suma, a, a local um, GP, and I live in Winchester. I've lived here for 20 years. I live husband and my uh, son, who's 13, um, and we've been actually worshipping at Christchurch for all the time that we've been in Winchester. Um, Tony Goldsby, uh, originally from uh, Chicago native, uh, moved to Winchester in 2004. Left in 07 when I met Nikki, then moved back in 13. We were married in 08 in Christchurch. Um, we have two four-year-old twins. Yeah, I've been a part of the Christchurch community since. My name is Kaz, originally from Zambia, and I'm based in the Winchester area. <laughs> Great. Well, it's lovely to have you guys here. I want to start with your telling us about your own experience of racial justice uh, and uh, inequality living here in the UK. Uh, Tony, why don't you start? Uh, sure. I, I think my my first thought was um, an incident that happened to me um, several years ago uh, while I was um, in London sketching. So as an architect, you go around and you look at buildings, you sketch pretty ones, and I was in Hampstead Green. And this was actually um, just a, a few years after 9-11, so this might have been in 05 or 06. And I was stopped by the police um, for for sketching. And I was sketching a crematorium um, in Hampstead Green. And they asked what I was doing. And I said, well, I'm an architect. I just want to sketch buildings. And I said, well, you know, the, they cited something based on it, it being a potentially a terrorist act. And I said, well, that's, <laughs> that's absolutely ridiculous. I said, why don't you ask the woman over there with the camera who can do far more insidious acts if she's trying to get sort of the, the detail of a, of a public building by my sketching. So they asked to see my sketching, my ID, um, showed them the sketches. I held up my ID and they asked if I had a passport. I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm not gonna try to produce a passport. So they followed me during my, in my tour and walk around um, of, the, of Hampstead Green. And while I asked the other woman, had they stopped her for her use of taking photographs as a photographer, um, and she was a, a Irish woman and so forth, she said, well, no. And I think that's probably one of the clearest examples I've had of just being, I mean, that's a, that's a bit of a, that's a, that's a kind of a heavy one of being harassed unnecessarily. And I think it was just bizarre to be harassed like that for sketching. And, and I think that was down to color. Tony, thank you. Suma, how, how about you? Just sort of generally living and working in the UK. Um, I've, I've worked for the NHS for uh, about 22, 23 years. Um, and, you know, the NHS obviously is the first to acknowledge that, you know, it has been systemically racist. Um, and it has been, you know, my experience um, at, at work as well. But on a one basis, people are friendly um, and, you know, it's all great at work. But there is this systemic element where... Um, people of, uh, myself included, uh, will uh, will be denied um, certain career pathways. Um, and I used to work in, in the hospital. Um, and, um, you know, uh, 
uh, in Winchester. And, um, you know, I've had very good relationships with my, with my colleagues, but when it came to actually progressing the career, they felt that I, you know, I didn't need to do all of that. And I could be quite happily, you know, sit at the front line, do all the hard work on the floor. Um, and they were quite happy to have me in that place. In fact, in fact my consultant told me, Simon, do you know me? It's, it's, it's fine for you to, um, you know, just do this and we love you. And, you know, you can just do this all your life. We will pay you £2,000 a month. And that is far more than you'll ever get in India. You know, and you don't have to live in that poor country and you can live here. And, um, you know, um, you know I, I don't see the problem. I mean, genuinely couldn't see the problem, um, you know, with that. And um, I have been, you know, I, I, I am able to vocalise my feelings quite well. So I quite challenged him on several occasions. But bless him, he, he just couldn't see it because he he's he's grown up in, in that in that way. Um, so you know, but of course, you know, we're we're all still good friends and everything. But you know, the the, the good thing about the NHS is that they, they sort of recognize it and they've put things in place. However, all of that is very, very slow. The other thing I want to mention is what my, my son faced when he was four years old in his um, uh, primary school in Winchester. Um, so he faced like, a, in, and it's often single people. It's often one person who chooses to behave, who's behaving a certain, in a certain way. Um, so he faced that and um, he, to the point that he refused to go to school when he was four years old. Um, and he, you know, if I say so myself, you know, he, he was always a lovely boy and he, he was never a problem at home. Um, so I raised this with the school. Um, and in fact, I, you know, went in for several meetings because I felt that he was being, in a sense, bullied. And I, you know, working in the NHS, I know you don't use the word racism because if you use the word racism, you don't get very far. So I, you know, when Simon, in fact, when you asked me to talk about racism, I was like, oh my goodness, I don't use the word. Um, and it's only because of George Floyd that I realized I do need to say something about it. Um, so going back to this this um, occasion with the school, this instance with the school, um, I, I I went in and I and I said, you know, that I don't think this is right, and he's not going to school because he feels uh, uncomfortable. Something's upsetting him, and um, the school protected this person, and you know, I had to just try and find some other school and I went through other avenues but however in the end it all worked out because this person was temporary and she went and you know the subsequent teachers and he had a lovely time in the school uh, subsequently but as a mum it hurt me very much that as a four-year-old when he has no idea um, you know that he's different that he's been you know shouted at for doing something when the other children would be told oh that's okay um, and, and, and that really upset him. So, so you know, these, these are a couple of my examples. Thank you, Suma, very much. First and foremost, um, issues of racism don't really roll off my tongue that easily because, uh, you know, going back to my background, um, racism is not something I experienced growing up, you know, where I come from. And so having come to the UK, I was quite oblivious to racism and it's never really been an issue for me and I think part of that is I think my personality and my background as well but it would be unfair to say 
it doesn't exist because it does, and I have experienced it. Um, you know, there are four memorable instances that I can remember or relate to, you know, and it's, it's not nice when you do experience it. So generally, I have experienced racism. Um, you know, it's the loss of opportunity and just the, you know, being made to feel um, like you are not entitled, you know. Um, so, yes, that, that's on a general level. Um, I don't know how deep you want me to go into. Uh, Kaz, give us one or two sort of specific examples so that we can begin to understand what you mean. One of the ones that I, I definitely remember is um, while I was a student at the University of Warwick and um, I was looking for a job and I was signed up with uh, an agency and they found me a job because I was a good worker, you know, so <laughs> um, and I got this job and I was there just for a day and um, it was just front office really. Um, but um, I think I didn't fit the look and yeah so at the end of the day you know I had my first day's training with the receptionist who was really really lovely and then um, at the end of the day I was told I think I was told when I got home or something not to come back and no one could explain why and that you know even the even the lady at the reception who was you know she was really keen to have me on board she was like but it's just your first day i don't understand you know i, I was told not to come back and yeah that was the first time blatantly it was thrown in my face and at the time obviously you know i was a student um you know i was a postgrad student so it's um you don't know what to do and you know but i lived with a really lovely family and um you know they were supportive and so was my uh, the lady that was my like consultant at the agency because i had done quite a bit of work for her uh previous to this uh, incident so yeah and that was a day before my birthday <laughs> <laughs> so i've never forgotten that one so that no. was my first one no. yeah okay. let's sort of let's bring it a little bit closer to home um most people would say Winchester is a fantastic place to live, beautiful city, ancient capital, all those things. Um, if we bring a bit closer to home, specifically in Winchester, what's your experience been here? Tony, let's, let's start with you again. What I would say is that whatever I might have experienced here in the UK, um, it's been less than it has been in the US by, by a great margin. That's the first thing I would say. So I would think. So my first opinion is that the UK and Winchester have been more tolerant than, than the areas I grew up in. But the things I have faced here before is, as an example, um, I've been egged before here. Um, walking, um, I was walking on Stockbridge Road, coming back from, um, I think the, I can't remember where I was coming back from, but um, it was early evening, Nikki and I were walking. There were other people in the street, but you know, we were, we were egged by passengers driving, passengers-by driving in the car, which is just sort of an odd instance. Um, and I get the kind of the sort of the static stuff where people cross the street when you're walking towards them, even though there's enough room on the foot way to, to move around. And so, you know, I've had those sort of passive type moments, but it's kind of hard to say, well, you're racist for it. Maybe they were worried about their security per se, but, you know, it's just kind of weird that, you know, people may see you as a threat. So I get there's passive things like that. But more recently, um, listen to, uh, to the, to the, to the testimony, um, 
you know, I just had to recently, we had to recently pull our kids out of um, one of the reception year classes at, at their primary school because um, my daughter, as an example, um, was getting pressure for, you know, why her hair didn't look as straight and as pretty as the other girls, as an example. And it was, it wasn't just, wasn't just that one comment, it's been other comments that have sort of damaged her, not necessarily damaged her, but affected her self-confidence and the way she appears. And I put it down to um, what I would call white bias. And so I think when you, when you, when I think, um, I think when a child's outlook is, is there where she feels that, you know, she can't look more like herself, but you know, the standard of beauty is Elsa as an example, you know, I think, you know, there, there should be um, a wide enough view where that shouldn't be held as, as a critique of what one should look like and what they should aspire to be like. I mean, we have a biracial household, so, you know, then you have the conversations with, with, you know, rightly so about, you know, race and color and, you know, you know, mommy's hair is good, but daddy's hair is bad, that kind of thing. Well, I don't have any hair, so that doesn't really make any difference anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but to Sue's yeah. point about her experience with the four-year-old, I mean, I think that's that's interesting because that, that hits home for me, and that's something we've had to do a month ago, as an example. Um, same thing with my son being bullied as well. So we've had to pull them out of that class into another class post-COVID, which has actually been helpful uh, to break them up for those who have been agitators for them. But that's been quite distressing, I would say. Tony, thank you. Uh, Suma, what about you? Um, thank you, Simon. Um, well, actually, um, walking around Winchester, um, you know, I haven't really faced any particular instances myself, whether that's because I was oblivious to it, I might well have been. But my husband, um, he, he cycles a lot. Um, and once he, he was cycling and um, uh, some people called him a Paki. Um, and of course, we've got nothing to do with Pakistan. But, um, you know, he was a bit shaken by that. Uh, but that didn't stop him from going out cycling. Um, but I think Winchester, I think compared to some other places, I think we, you see less of it out and about. That's been my experience. Um, Thank you. And, yeah. and Kaz, what about you? Have you got any, any particular experiences that sort of are more about being here in Winchester? Generally, no. I have had an incident in Winchester, um, but, you know, if we're speaking generally, I think, like Suma said, you know, because maybe I choose to be oblivious and my attitude to anyone who's racist is they're not worth my time or energy. So I just you know, it's not the first thing I'm looking out for. I, I expect that people will be civilized enough to not look at the color of my skin um, and treat me negatively based on that. So I haven't really had that kind of negativity in Winchester. I have had one experience, um, you know, which I can't really, really get into, but I, you know, yes, I have had one. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Um, let's let's move on to, to to church life, and it would just be fascinating to hear from each of you what your experience um, of church life is like, and whether church has always been a supportive and an easy place to be or not. Uh, and I guess that's says more generally, but also specifically um, here at Christ Church. Uh, Tony, why don't you lead off? Sure. Um... 
I would say that I think church has been a, a welcoming environment. Um, I, ca- I can't think of any any negative attitudes I've had. Um, the only thing I would say about about Christ Church is not really even a criticism; it's just more just more food for thought. Um, is that I've you know I've gone to other church services with in, in other in other parts of, of Winchester, so it might be like Hope Church or or a few other other congregations, and I noticed that. They, for whatever reason, they were slightly a bit more diverse than than Christchurch. Not because they have more black people or whatever, but they were just, you know, they're just more diverse in general. And I and I and I, and I was just kind of just in my mind wondering, well, if Christchurch has such a big community, I wonder, you know, how how that's. I wonder. I just I just don't know how to answer that. It's not a not a negative thing, and yeah. you shouldn't run out and try to you know get more black people or Asian people in church. That's ridiculous. But you know, it just it's just the thought of like I'm just trying to think. Well. You know what is that? And the one thing I've seen in my old church in Chicago, um, which I was a trustee for, called and so was Mickey, called the South Street Church. Um, they've done an interesting way of of doing it. And I think the one thing I did appreciate uh, about Christ Church in the past is that it would have guest speakers in from uh, different walks of life. Now they tend to be foreign, but I think there's probably a lot of things and guest speakers we could have in the UK to raise our awareness of things that are happening in Basingstoke or Southampton. You know, not far, far away. There's a lot of things happening within 10 miles of us that are probably relevant that I would say that would bring diversity into the church in the legitimate and and and, and nurturing way. Um, the same thing is said about music, you know, music selection. You know, you don't have to be obvious about it, but it's just the idea of like, you know, is there other expressions that are out there? And I think we have a very talented music team that probably would be interested in in various forms of music. And then the last one is just also the types of books they would read. Um, so, you know, they would have um, selective reading um, that the church would would read. And sometimes it was um, one was on reconciliation blues, as an example, which talked about racial reconciliation in the church um, in the deep south, which is actually quite quite a moving book. But it just mm-hmm. kind of got people's awareness out there about um, certain things about the kingdom of God and how far his, you know, God's love should extend out to all his people. And just having that awareness of it, um, and and I think diversity for me isn't skin color. It's probably the way people approach a situation, the way they think. Tony, thank you. Uh, Suma, what about you? Um, so, uh, church has always been a great place of uh, support and love. You know, I love Christ Church. I've it never once occurred to me that I would encounter racism there. It's always been a place that I've gone to for prayer. Um, Samuel was born after 10 years of infertility for me and my husband. And we've had a lot of prayer from Christchurch over that period of time. We lost four babies before we had Samuel. And, you know, when I talked about my experiences one day before Samuel was born at Oasis, the women there, you know, unanimously said, we're going to fast and pray for Sam, for, for Suma. And for a week, uh, you know, everyone fasted and prayed. And nine months later, Samuel was born. I love Christchurch. They have just shown us the love of Jesus, uh, you know, and, you know, the grace that, you know, that comes from, from, from Jesus. So, you know, I think it just shows that, you know, we can, we can in many ways lead the way because we have got such a great resource in our faith um, to share the love of, love of God in our community. Um, so no, Christ Church has always been 
a, a great place of you know a, a great welcoming place and like tony said i i agree i mean we don't see a lot of diversity in christchurch and that might just be the demographics i hope that we are welcoming to everybody um, and again, we don't talk about it. And again, I'm as much guilty as anyone else for not talking about it because I was led to believe that the more quiet you kept about it, it would just go away. Um, but of course, I realise now that that's, that's not the case and, and it's okay to talk about it. Um, but no, Christchurch has been, a, in our experience, it's been a, an absolutely a welcoming place. Um, yeah. Thank you. Kaz, what about you? Um, <clears throat> I've been coming to Christchurch since 20, end of 2016 and um, before that we looked around and then settled on Christchurch and one of the reasons we chose to stay in Christchurch was we did feel um, it felt homey and you know it felt welcoming enough so generally I've had positive experiences from the Christian family you know um I never go in I've never again I just never think racism you know for me it's just it's not the first thing that comes to my mind when I enter a place but you know obviously you know when you're one or you know that you're in the minority you do notice that oh you know, I, I do stick out like a sore thumb here, and but that's not a problem. You know, uh, that's not a problem for me. You know, it's uh, I feel like I'm adding something. So generally, I've had positives. You know, the church has been my family in the two decades that I've lived in this in Europe. Um, negatively, churches can be clicky. You know, and Christ Church is not an exemption. You know, so. It, it can be a lot harder, not because of the skin of the color of my skin, but just generally it can be hard to, you know, make real relationships because of those clicks. And like I said, Christchurch is no exemption to seemingly being clicky to some degree. Okay. And yeah, so that would be what I have to say about that, you know, to, it's not about race. I've never felt inferior or anything like that yes i you know i think there will be people that uh, will be curious and i think there's there's room to be curious you know it's healthy to be curious about you know diverse cultures my accent gives me away you know and it's you know it's 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 the motive that you know it's the way people express their curiosity which reveals a motive you see and um for those that are biased, you can pick it, but there's a healthy way of being curious and wanting to know someone and just taking that genuine interest in, you know, I have no problem with someone, somebody, you know, like some people have said to me, I noticed the accent, where's that from? No, that's a very polite way, nice way of saying, you know, I recognize you're, you know, you, you don't come from here originally, but I'm not being told I'm not from here. You know, whereas that could be put in a different way, which can be quite offensive. So no, I have had positives generally. Good. Uh, la last question then. Uh, if, you could, if you could suggest one thing that Christians in the UK 
should be doing to, to grapple with this and, and to understand it, but also to make some change? Um, what might it be? Uh, Tony, what are your thoughts? Oh, wow, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I probably don't have a, a, a ready answer, but I, I think that if, if people want to um, embrace change, I think within the, within the church, I think aligning ourselves with um, aspects of social justice that we find important uh, within our own community doesn't mean necessarily you have to go um, very far to find that, but I mean, I think there's issues with, you know, poverty within, in Southampton, um, and that's white or black or whoever that might be, Asian. I mean, there's, you know, poverty. I think there's a there's a real issue with poverty um, within the UK, definitely an issue of poverty uh, within Hampshire. And I think if there's topics of social justice that can be openly um, discussed, I think that would um, open people's hearts to um, either prejudice or discrimination or um, just other aspects that I don't, I don't think fulfills the, the kingdom of God in, in the way that um, it should be fulfilled. So I think having social justice on as a part of the conversation, um, and it does happen in the background at, at Christ Church, I, I know this, but you know, whether it be uh, financial support or, or, or other things that are available, um, sometimes I felt like those things just aren't talked about enough. And I think it needs to be just a bit more of the conversation. Thank you. Suma. Um, I think um, we could um, pray more um, and when we have our you know uh, uh, corporate prayer or intercessory prayer I think bringing that and talking about it and praying about it uh, because there are strategies that you know the NHS has you know well-defined strategies they're not very much uh, they have don't have the impetus they're not very widely used but we, we could start talking about it um, in the way that we talk about safeguarding or you know you know to make it you know to make it come out into the mainstream life of the church so i think it's really important that we really give it that voice and and and, and pray about it thank you um, uh Kaz, what about you well that's a hard question for me <laughs> but um you know like tony said and suma it's about um aligning ourselves to what's on the ground for me and this is personal getting out of our comfort zones, okay? If you're going to do social justice, be curious enough to know what's out there. Let's not just, you know, talk about, you know, something that I'm comfortable with, something that doesn't make my skin crawl, you know? Let's be comfortable to go out there and experience what the world, what's in the world, what's happening, you know, the reality, not just what's comfortable for us and easy to get to. Um, also, it's just, I think just being self-aware, you know, Suma was talking about being prayerful and I'm guilty of this, mm. you know, we need to pray more, but, you know, let's be self-aware and, um, yeah, just, I check my motives. Every time I'm doing something, I'm thinking, why am I doing this? Why do I want to do this? You know, is it as unto the Lord or is it for my own gratification? Is it just to look good, uh, you know, in front of everyone? What, what's my motive? And you know, just being aware and checking myself, checking my attitude, because even I as a black person can be biased, you know, so it's a balancing act for everybody. Uh, thank you so much, all of you, for being part of this conversation. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Suma. Thank you, Kaz. Uh, we love having you as part of our community. 
thank you for sharing with us this morning uh, and uh, we really hope that our conversation will have uh, moved people forward help them to understand things a bit more clearly uh, and uh, will help us as Christians here in this place to pray uh, to be sensitive to be curious I love what you said um, Kaz about being curious uh, let's keep on doing uh, all of those things and let's get out of our comfort zones uh, so thank you to all of you Thank you.